Hello and welcome to the Side of Social. Today we have two guests in from the US, uh, Munral and Steve, uh, CEO and Chairman of Adaptive Holdings, mm -hmm. uh, parent company to uh, Casper Labs. Welcome guys. Thanks for having us. Hi, uh, thanks for having us. Yeah, we were really delighted uh, to hear you guys were coming into town mm. because we were just at the Stanford conference and one of the really exciting things people were talking about is the CBC Casper, you know, Vlad's implementation, uh, Vitalik's implementation. And, um, you know, could you guys just give us maybe a quick introduction to Casper Labs and how it fits into what's happening in the landscape? Sure, Casper Labs uh, is uh, it's a research and development company. It's the, the parent company is Adaptive Holdings that, that we're part of. And uh, Vlad is the chief architect for, Adapt for Casper Labs. And we are doing the first implementation of Vlad's CBC Casper. Yeah, I, you know, adding to that, let's talk about the motivation for mm -hmm. this project and like what, what really Casper Labs is about. In my view, there has only been two tectonic breakthrough moments in the blockchain industry. The first one was Nakamoto Consensus. Uh, that was in 2009. And, you know, people talk about digital money, etc. But what Nakamoto Consensus gave us really was the best copy protection the world has ever seen. Mm. You know, people have tried DRM and all sorts of stuff to, you know, protect music, protect movies. None of them have worked. They've all been cracked. But Nakamoto Consensus has and still is uh, providing digital uniqueness. The second tectonic moment was um, when Vitalik proposed Ethereum, where what he was saying is instead of like referencing a static ledger, let's reference the state of a computer. And this adds all sorts of intelligence. Since then, we think it's been mostly compromise because people have been trying to scale this network and the compromises come in two flavors. It's either some form of delegation which really is just a euphemism for centralization. It's either through you know, some sort of voting process, randomization beacons, mm -hmm. what have you, or it's through layer two solutions where you're essentially batching transactions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And layer two solutions are necessary, right? You think about Visa, it has you know, Square, PayPal, and Stripe, and all sorts of things on top of it. Mm -hmm. However, there's a reason why Bitcoin and Ethereum are the two biggest chains, because they're fully decentralized. And so the ability to fully decentralize the network and still be able to scale and have orders of magnitude more throughput is something that is needed. We believe CBC Casper is potentially that next tectonic shift. And it's weird that there's a little symmetry here because the first one was 2009, the next one was 2014, now it's 2019. Mm -hmm. And hopefully, you know, this is what will bring true full decentralization and proof of stake uh, to the blockchain world. Yeah, I, I, would, I would just add that I think what, what Vlad has invented, and I call it an invention because it's really, it was, it was, it was a new way of thinking. Um, and to me, it's like, a, if you look back in history and you look at that, uh, different tech uh, inventions and then movements, it's, there's always the, the invention of, itself, of the tech, and then there's the person who learned to scale the tech. Right. And history is actually mostly given credit to the person who scaled the tech and, and made it available to the masses. And so you can go back 
150 years, you could go back to the Benz and the automobile, but then it wasn't until Ford created the assembly line that allowed that to scale and go out to the masses. And then you could look at you know, more recent examples. You could look at Friendster, and Friendster collapsed on its own weight because it couldn't scale. F Facebook figured out a way to scale that. Yahoo was a manual process, invented the, the, the effective search engine and the taxonomy there, and then Google figured out, we've used algorithms, we can actually scale this because it's going to be billions and billions and billions. And that's an interesting one. Uh, so what this invention, in my opinion, uh, will go down, uh, I believe, um, as the one that actually brings blockchain and, and, and decentralized applications to the masses. And I think it's important, a lot of people are, look at blockchain and say, well, nothing has scaled, nothing has gone out, and you know, we don't really see, so therefore this technology is not relevant. Well, the same thing was said about computers for many years until all of a sudden we had a VisiCalc moment. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden you had the killer app that was able to scale. Yeah. This is, a, this is a really nice way of looking at it. Um, can I pu pull it back maybe to the, the tech front and ask you guys a question? Um, in terms of when you're talking about, you know, like CBC Casper as the solution that works, um, one of the things we know about it, and we'd love to be corrected, is that, you know, it's much more of a pure proof-of-stake implementation than uh, what Ethereum is doing with uh, the kind of the Vitalik's rollout. Is there a distinction between CBC Casper and Vitalik's Casper in terms of what you're talking about in apocryphal change? Or do you see them as similar and maybe CBC is just better for various reasons in your estimate? Do you, do you, I, do you, I'm not sure if I'm yeah, asking Yeah, I can, I, I, I can start with that. So, look, I, I, I haven't spoken in detail about this, to, mm -hmm. so I, I, I don't want to speak for Vitalik mm -hmm. or Vlad. Um, in my opinion, uh, CBC Casper is basically, if you take the spectrum of like completely pure proof of stake versus being a hybrid, mm -hmm. Vitalik's proposal is closer to a hybrid, and it's probably more for practical reasons than anything else. I do think Ethereum eventually wants to get to CBC Casper, which is all the way to proof of stake, but there are practical considerations. It's currently a proof of work chain, mm -hmm. um, large transitions which require very different hardware builds probably need a bunch of practical considerations. Vlad's CBC Casper, on the other hand, is a full pure proof of stake that's fully decentralized. There's no proof of work element in it at all. And you're absolutely right. The way it works is, uh, I wouldn't use the word longest chain, I'd use the word heaviest, heaviest chain. Yeah, heaviest but chain. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, that's essentially how it works. It, it builds a directed acyclic graph, yeah. but you know, the reverse traversal is really the heaviest chain. And right. you know, when you zoom out, it looks similar to a blockchain. So, so if we pull this to adaptive labs, what you guys are doing is you're saying, look, we see proof of stake as the definitive next step forward. Maybe we can transition to how adaptive holdings and Casper Lab fits into this apocal vision. Yeah, so um, adaptive holdings is, is the parent company to Casper. Uh, though Casper works fairly autonomously, the, 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 the skill sets are really well positioned towards each other to help promote and scale the, the blockchain. So the, at the adaptive level, we have a lot of folks that have been at the forefront of launching 
many protocols previously. So they've seen you know, kind of a lot of mistakes, you know, we've had the bruises, we've realized what has worked, what hasn't worked, and specifically what can we take from those experiences relative to this particular technology? Um, and, and that's a very unique kind of combination. Uh, and so that's kind of at the adaptive level, but there, there's also the second component to it is that adaptive will be um, kind of charged with uh, pushing funds and other resources through the ecosystem to help um, create uh, players. And so the developers, um, dApps, uh, all the ecosystem players, like tools that are needed um, for a robust ecosystem. So it's, it's, there, there's a, a, it's a commercial entity. So it's, it's a, there's a foundation be separate, but there's a commercial entity that will be looking to commercialize, but most importantly, get the ecosystem going. Mm-hmm. It will be able to make money on the back end you know, later on. That's not its primary focus right now. The primary focus is to get a robust ecosystem. Yeah, and just to piggyback on what Steven said, what we will launch will be much more similar to Bitcoin and Ethereum than other projects in the sense that it'll be fully decentralized. Mm. We're not, this is not a corporate project. We are decentralization and open source purists. All the code is open source. It's all public and it'll be a public chain where any validator can bond or unbond as they choose. Mm. So we're really trying to build that. So. In a way, once the first network is launched, we are only a contributor after that, right? We can propose upgrades, we can propose things, but we no longer have any say on the network. Um, I mean, just just quickly hooking into that, the looking more at the you talk about building that that ecosystem. Do you have groups in mind, a target audience, or is it, are you still very much at a anyone who needs this tech and anyone who can use it? Um, we need to make things you know, viable for, for anyone who wants to build on the chain. Yeah. So I think one of the other things that the Adaptive has, it has is a number of folks with you know, several decades average experience in tech, you know, aside from blockchain, because tech actually, according most people don't know, existed before blockchain existed. <laughs> and uh, they, so there were, there were tried and true methods that certain ones can be applied to. So we're looking to create um, uh, so developer centers of excellence where we would actually have our own developers, our own um, uh, education, where developers can come around different regions around the world um, and learn you know, about the protocol, talk to other people. There will also be um, co-working centers, um, accelerators built into there, incubators built into there. So it's a, it's a, it's a whole ecosystem encompassed inside of a physical location. Mm-hmm. And I think that's actually important because we, we talk about decentralized and distributed, and everybody's saying, oh, this is great, we're all around the world, but at the end of the day, you know, people kind of do need to come together and you need, where you've got, you know, if, if you're a DAP developer and you're not anywhere near anybody else developing, it's mm-hmm. kind of hard. You need, you need yeah. to have that interaction. So uh, maybe they won't be firm permanently, but they'll come from time mm-hmm. to time. And, and, and another thing that's like a feature of our build is uh, we're using the Rust implementation of WebAssembly as our input-output system. The reason we've done that is we think the bar for entry to be able to code on, on a platform Uh, should not involve learning a new language. Mm -hmm. And, you know, eventually WebAssembly will support probably every major language in the world. And so we really view, like, we're not looking at just blockchain developers. We're looking at every single developer out there. We want to offer a piece of infrastructure that has open access to everyone. Mm -hmm. To me, that's really exciting that we're starting to see more and more projects actually looking at it like that. Um, particularly with what the current Ethereum developer experience is like. Um, right. 
you know, amazing community strapped down by the need to you know, create an incredible stack just to get going. Yeah. I'd like us uh, eventually to move on to talking about China, but you know, from China, we've got a bunch of questions about the states we wouldn't mind, especially mm -hmm. since you guys are kind of East Coast people. I mean, I know now blockchain's global. Um, and I guess I'm wondering, like, are you guys iconoclasts in the States, or do you feel that this is actually representative of where kind of like the, the proof of stake blockchain community is going? Uh, well, look, I think something interesting happened that hadn't happened in decades is that a technology paradigm shift started occurring and the entire thing didn't happen, you know, within a few square miles of Northern California, mm -hmm. right? So that, that in and of itself exploded. So there, by definition, New York, where we're based, but I should say we're distributed, we're like really all around the world, but, you know, the two of us are certainly there has an explosion in, in, in blockchain simply because it's, it's the fintech capital of the world. And so there's a ton of innovation happening. Yeah, so my background is like I'm a computer scientist who went to Wall yeah. Street, right, essentially. But while I was a computer science uh, student, I was a, I was a you know, a open source and distributed systems mm -hmm. purist. Uh, some of the first things I wrote were, um, you know, uh, plugins for BitTorrent. I loved BitTorrent in 2002 when I discovered like, wow, there's this ownerless file sharing system. No one controls this. How does this even work? And well, now Justin's son controls it. <laughs> right. <laughs> stuff, stuff, stuff changed after a while. But, but if you guys have ever used like Azurius or Vuz, yeah, like yeah. I was an open source contributor for like the magnet okay. linking system. And so I've been down this rabbit hole since 2002, which was mm. like 17 years ago. And then, you know, when I discovered, you know, I discovered Bitcoin in 2010, only started buying it in 2012. But, you know, it really excited me. And, you know, even even when I was on Wall Street, I was primarily looking at TMT. And, you know, I've always been investing in you know, exponential change. Mm -hmm. And, you know, while it might seem a little iconoclastic to, um, you know, be such a big open source and distributed systems advocate being like a Wall Street guy mm -hmm. in, in the past, I actually think it's been very consistent with my investing philosophy for a long time. I, I, I don't think blockchain works unless it's open source. Mm -hmm. And because, you know, if people can't see the code, they don't know if you've thrown a backdoor in there. Yeah. And it doesn't work if it's not distributed because you're basically telling people trust no one. Hmm. You can't say trust no one, but maybe trust these guys a little bit, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's also interesting for us because I mean, our origins are here in Beijing and that's where we kind of got to know blockchain as the industry grew. And to your point, it is actually really interesting that this is a kind of, you know, Satoshi could be Australian for all we know. You know it's not a Silicon Valley thing. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it is interesting because, I mean, our overwhelming experience, and it may have been what we did in San Francisco and Palo Alto and around, you know, uh, the area, but our overwhelming experience was it was very much like walking into, I won't say corporate, but it felt like web development land. You know, everyone working diligently, some really smart people, but, but on projects of intermediate scope. Uh, and we didn't really, I didn't really come away from San Francisco feeling people were like, really had a sense of this is going to change everything. People were much more concerned, it seemed, with like, we've got this backlog on our project and we're working through the issues uh, and we should get a 2x scaling advantage out of that or then we can deliver this, this you know, pro product. 
Um, so it is interesting for us to hear that sort of coming from from a, a you know U.S. project. Yeah. Um, right. Mm. Do Do you want to move on to Casper Labs and Adaptive and what you guys are doing here in China? Mm. Absolutely. Mm. In order to have a successful protocol today, I mean it's more than ever essential to have global support. So it's really important for us to get out, come here, you know, consistently,、uh, get the key players in different regions in China, in particular, because China is one of the top three markets in the world、uh, as far as blockchain goes. And so you want buy-in from here, you want it accepted, and, and importantly, this is really important. You want、uh, them to be- to believe that it's partly their product too, just as the U.S. believes it's theirs, and that Europe is going to believe it's theirs. So you want them to have ownership of it. I think some of the successful things that、um, some of the past protocols did. I'm going to use Ethereum in particular, which was a Toronto、um, innovation and somewhat New York too,、uh, is that you could go all around the world and they believe Ethereum is theirs, right? So they have ownership, not just because it's open source, but also because when the the push was going out、um, to evangelize it, it kind of went all around the world,、um, mm. and there were meetups everywhere. So that's that's a big part of what we're doing right now.、Mm. So, what is it that you guys are looking for here in China? It's you're looking to get meetups and get developers. I mean, we we looked at the timeline. The network is in an early stage, sort of early testnet release. You can connect to it. That's right. Is that true? That's right. And、um, you know, so what what is it that、uh, who is it that you're looking for? I mean, when you're here in China, are you trying to chat with exchange owners,、uh, people like Li Xiaolai? Are you looking to communicate with? Kind of、uh, like Bitcoin user groups or Ethereum user groups. Is there any way that we can help, or that、mm-hmm. listeners who are in China will know that they can help you?、Uh, what do you need? We'll just get involved. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the I think you hit it right there. The, the meetups、uh, are absolutely essential. You got to get you know at the ground roots level、um, and get the interest at that level. So yeah. So、uh, again, people don't remember, but. In Ethereum, by the time the crowd sale happened, there were dozens and dozens of meetups around the world、yeah. of, of of Ethereum evangelists. You know, they were getting really excited.、And、what they were basically were just breakoffs of Bitcoin meetups. You know, people got this. You know,、yeah. excited about that. So, you know, that's a big part of what we're doing. We're we're yes to all your other questions because we were talking to exchanges,、yeah. we're talking to potential investors, and and、um, DApp developers. So,、uh, the areas that can be most helpful though are, are groundswell support for、um, meetups,、um, any kind of Developers or any existing DApps, and I just want to make one point on the DApp side is that、um, one of the things we're excited about by having a truly decentralized but scalable solution is that、uh, right now I, I, I'm of the belief that one of the reasons we haven't seen that, that killer app is because of the constraints people have in their minds when they're when they're building. When they only see seven transactions per second as their limit, then and, and they have a certain amount of funding to build something. They have to build something that works for that environment. It may not be commercial. It may not be maybe proof of concept or whatever it is. But they they can't build something and they can't think and imagine of something that's going to do a thousand, two thousand, three thousand transactions per second. And so you you haven't seen, I believe, the killer app in large part because people haven't been able to think in terms of the of something that's going to go that large, that viral,、mm-hmm. that commercial,、um, and to the extent. That you've seen 
blockchains that do scale because of the centralization, there aren't um, dApps that would put extreme amount of va value onto those blockchains because uh, you'd have collusion and stupidity and all kinds of things that could happen mm -hmm. with with centralization. So, you know, however you want to look at it, you need a solution, whether or not it's us or if somebody else comes along with another invention, it needs to be some decentralized and scalable solution where then people can imagine and actually create the killer apps. I think it's, some people think it's the killer apps that are going to move everything, but it's kind of, you need to have the platform first. Mm. Yeah, I mean, just to, just to like, go further on that analogy. Good stuff didn't get started, didn't get built on the internet till Netscape mm -hmm. happened, right? And yeah. we believe the Netscape moment hasn't happened for blockchain mm -hmm. yet. And then to answer your other question, if people want to get involved, um, you know, we're a full open source project, so people can contribute in any way they want. Mm -hmm. um, they can go to www.casperlabs.io, download our node, look at our tech spec. Mm -hmm. um, our GitHub repository is completely open. Mm -hmm. And if they want to talk to us directly, we're all on our Telegram channel, uh, which mm -hmm. is um, t.me slash casperlabs. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd suggest that the, the people you should absolutely be talking to are the exchanges here. Um, yep. One of the things that struck me about the United States is you know, to the extent people have an understanding of what the platonic ideal is of the blockchain developer who's going to be coding, you know, the killer app or something, it's usually someone who's intrinsically motivated, you know, checking out the code, setting up a node, experimenting. Um, a lot of those developers in China will gravitate towards larger companies. There's a lot less to date of that sort of independently motivated person who's working on kind of utopian projects. Yeah. Richard, I mean, Richard, you. Yeah, I mean, I've worked, managed a lot of developers, and there's a, there's a big sense of entrepreneurialism here, but it's usually something people imagine about embarking on quite a bit later in their career than you get in the U.S. I mean, the U.S. image is, is guys straight out of Stanford, right? The, the minted right. U.S. picture of a tech startup guru is straight out of uh, Stanford, um, build something with a buddy, get some Sand Hill Road funding, and everything explodes. Whereas here, it's much more one of work in a big tech company, get your own money together and get some credit, build a yeah. network, because you'll need all of that to secure your startup, to make it viable, to convince other people to join, etc. before you can start. Yeah. So it's, a, it's quite a different... It's actually, it's actually cool that you mentioned that, because we're very Chinese that way. We're right. a bunch of guys with decades of experience mm. who self-funded this project, yeah. exactly like they do here. Yeah, yeah we're not... We're not right out of Stanford. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the, the good news, I think, is that like the exchanges in Asia, the businesses that are actually being built on it are really willing to experiment. Mm. They will deploy resources if you've got a great idea for how the stuff that you're building can help them. Yeah, right. and it, it is, I think it's a very different proposal, but you do get a huge amount of energy and, and activity out of exchanges and out yeah. of the, yep. those larger groups here. But compared to Circle and Square and like, you know, like Facebook is supposed to be moving on crypto, but the rumors that we're hearing is that it's a stable coin, which is really the least interesting use of crypto you could have if you're Facebook. A, restrict, a restricted corporate stable coin. Right. Like we're, we're convinced that Facebook is going to be disintermediated by blockchain within a decade. But, you know, that's another discussion. Um, yeah, I mean, if it's, if it's corporate, why not? That problem solved. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You have a database. Install a database, yeah. There's, yeah. there's a lot of free ones, yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need to build a blockchain if it's yeah. internal. If, if there's two companies doing that, you could just publish hashes to each other in the database mm. to make yeah. sure you agree at the end of every yeah. day. It's a problem yeah. that's 
solved. Yeah. Mm. I, I don't know what yeah. they're doing. No, I think there's I think there's a lot of um, there's a lot of latecomerism generally um, in the space, and I think a lot of what's happened is people have taken. I mean, and I'm sure this has happened in other technology, the introduction of other technologies where I haven't been as close to the coalface and I'm not as aware of what happened, but a lot of businesses coming in, reading the hype first, not understanding the fundamentals and then yeah. thinking you can build out stuff oh, yeah. the on, early, top of, on top of that. The early yeah. 2000s, every yeah. company had a SaaS component because hmm. you just throw SaaS into yeah, your yeah. like description and suddenly your stock goes up 40%. I mean, it was kind of ludicrous. The, the, the interesting thing about that to me, and it is something you keep in mind in the middle of crypto winter, is on the other hand, there are some pretty big SaaS software companies out there. I mean, Google, oh, no, Google are primarily that now and, and, and Salesforce do. So it's funny because, yeah, there were probably thousands of SaaS for, I don't know, pet grooming or something, companies that went under. But right, right. No, no, my point, my point is, if you were to draw the analogy with blockchain, SaaS is extremely powerful. It's completely changed, you know, the way you um, consume software and computational resources. But you shouldn't just apply it to things where it doesn't make any sense. It's the same with blockchain, right? It is an extremely powerful technology. It could reinvent, it could be Web 3.0, it could reinvent the way we do things. However, you don't need it for everything, right? You don't, you don't need pets on the blockchain. It doesn't make any sense. Right? I, well, maybe we could drag it a bit back to the tech. I've got two questions and maybe we'll handle them in turn. The first question is this very specific, dealing with CBC Casper. Are there any particular kind of applications where you think CBC Casper is far and away the best platform for developers building stuff today? So, you know, if we run into people in a specific industry here in China, we can say, look, you guys really should go and be talking to the Adaptive Labs people. Could we handle that one first, maybe? I mean, is there any area where you say CBC Casper is going to be absolutely perfect for this right. use case? So. I'm going to give a nuanced answer. This is not a hedge, I promise. But look, it's it's a Turing complete machine, right? It's a Turing complete scalable blockchain. Um, so it can be used for anything. That being said, we do view, and I'm not. This is not collective. Uh, sorry, this is not collectively exhaustive in any way. But we do view certain use cases that could potentially become killer apps. And so let me lay out some of them, like um, security token offerings. It gives everything you want. You can have heterogeneity within the network, so you can comply with local laws. It's scalable, that's super important. And you know, you get the security because it's ultra decentralized. No one wants to put, you know, valuable assets onto a system where, you know, someone could collude. Um, let's think about a couple of others. Um, rebate and reward systems. Great use case on a blockchain because you could program in the contract. Um, supply chain management, if you want to track oil and natural gas assets, you want to track auto parts, prove provenance. You need something that's scalable and decentralized. I mean, there's like thousands of different players within um, you know, su a supply chain. Some of them don't trust or like each other very much. But if you have like a completely removed decentralized ledger, the amount of efficiencies you can eke out are massive. I mean, the amount of friction in the supply chain management space is big. Yeah. Those are a few. Uh, and Stephen? Well, look, I think the interesting thing is going to be um, the areas that there's, there's, there's a broad areas. I mean, so the whole fintech area 
um, is still out in front, right? And, and that's probably going to be amongst the, the earliest uh, of scale, the applications that actually go viral and scale big. Uh, so I think amongst those, there's going to be consumer ones and there'll be um, industrial ones as well. Uh, maybe, maybe check out Singapore. Yeah. Um, a lot of the really specific stuff we know that we think is very good is Singapore based for projects like like aquifer on supply chain. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's that's definitely true and I mean the the big differential in in this part of the world is Hong Kong Singapore where Hong Kong is very much more core fintech. Yeah. And I think that's left Singapore and it's kind of like the rest of their economy where it's sort of their advantage is they're taking on these other pieces of the Southeast Asian yeah kind of high-end economic services. So they're very good on, and very thoughtful about things like uh, supply chain and things like auction management, you know, the commercial auctions and things that might go over a period of time and some really interesting projects around that space in Singapore, actually. Yeah, we're, we're, it's great that you mentioned those two places because Hong Kong's like literally, we're headed there Mm -hmm. uh, in a few days. Mm -hmm. And also um, one of the earliest members of our team, uh, Mervin, uh, Mm -hmm. is from Singapore. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I'm definitely going to go back and tell him, him hey, what's all this stuff going on there that you've not told me about yet? Millennial Tower. Tell him to check out Millennial Tower. Yeah, there's some really cool stuff going on. Centennial Tower? There's Centennial and Millennial and they're next to each other. Go to Millennial. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I guess the second question I have is, in terms of engaging with China, language is a huge issue. Mm. And you guys brought this up before the podcast when we were chatting a little bit about Vitalik. And one of the things that really did uh, matter for him is that he did speak some Chinese that helped with adoption. Uh, there's more of a celebrity culture in China. You know, mm. If you guys can make Vlad a Chinese-speaking superhero, you're going to win in China. You know. Mm. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I think some of that comes down to, I mean, something that's just true everywhere, where making an effort makes a difference. My, my question is, is there a good way for Chinese speakers only to engage with Casper Labs? Mm. Because an English language website isn't good enough. Like it's just really not good enough. Even like technical documentation in English. Do you have a member of your team that if we're chatting in Chinese with someone or a listener is and they're interested in Casper Labs, is there someone on the team they should should they yes. look for Mervin or yeah so Mervin is one of them. Mervin Mervin speaks fluent Mandarin um, he's also one of the admins on our uh, Telegram yeah. he's also set up a QQ group yeah. for Casper Labs yes. so uh, we do have a QQ group Q-Q, for QQ get WeChat too mm. I will speak to Mervin you and need for mainland you need yeah. WeChat right like, all right it's so also super easy to invite people in right. And- so I'll set that up. Uh, also, one of the core de- developers on our team, Abner Zhang, is from mm-hmm. Guangzhou. Okay. Um, and so, you know, over time, we'll be using that resource uh, more and more. There are definitely plans to have all our technical documentation translated into mm-hmm. Chinese. We think Chinese, Korean, and Japanese are very, very important in this space. Mm-hmm. And finally, one of the good things is, so our technical documentation has to be translated. But one of the great things about going the WebAssembly route is because it's any language, mm-hmm. um, there exists a lot of good uh, yeah. Chinese documentation yeah. for, for you know, yeah. things like C, C++, Rust. Yeah, yeah it, is, it is something you can't underestimate because I think the um, uh, sometime your friend of the project who drops by the office did a uh, presentation on web development in China for JSConf EU last year. And he had a couple of slides on the frame, JavaScript framework popularity. And sort of it's China reflects 
the West a little bit of lag pretty accurately until Vue.js comes along. And then Vue.js just takes over the entire landscape. And his argument is, and I think it holds, is that the founder of Vue.js is Chinese and everything was always bilingual. And so you got right. a huge Chinese following very, very quickly. Um, and it was also one of those things And any new team at a big Chinese tech firm could just pick view and the documentation was already there. So you could get kids fresh out of college who are probably still learning JavaScript, given what's taught, um, and drop them in front of the documentation. That made a really big difference in terms of yeah. building up a community of users and getting the forums full of information, et cetera, well, which is a, a lot key. Of the, a lot of the projects, I'm not going to name names, but some really big company projects, seen some of their tech staff who learn Java in school. Mm. And they're literally dumped into blockchain from Java object-oriented programming. Well, and MVP, so like they MVP. end up on a Linux machine and they're Googling like, what does LS mean? What does CAT mean? Mm. So if your project has documentation, it's like accessible to them in a way that pretty much everything else isn't. Yeah. So yeah, I think that, that that's... now that you've said that, we're definitely going to accelerate that initiative. We, it was always the plan, but yeah, get, get you got on, me convinced. Get someone on WeChat too. Like wherever you guys are, they're going to be foreign exchange students. Yeah, hire someone in the office part time and be like, we want you yeah. to be the person on WeChat talking about us. Get your name into groups. Yeah. Like when we visited California, yeah. everyone is yeah. doing POS or governance. You know, there's Cardena, Cardena. Yeah. Like, if you run into someone doing a proof-of-work thing, it's kind of the minority. Yep. Um, here, you know, POS is out there, but people don't really know what they think of well, it yet. Yeah, and then there's also just a big split that China has an advantage in POW systems so long as they're, mm. you know, not ASIC resistant. Yeah. Oh, not that that is a thing. But, um, yeah, so there's a, just an instinctive sense of, right. hey, like, this yeah. is, this is a, not a bad way to go. We like you know, mining as, as a constituent part. Right. Um, which, is, which is why we're, we're actively trying yeah. to speak to mining pools and people yeah. who do this yeah. to, you know, we, we don't know all the answers. We, we need to ask them, like, what's a, what's a viable, interesting economic model for you? And that's part of why we're here as well. Yeah, because yeah, I'm thinking around that, just the last point on developers is it's, it's hard to keep in mind, but remember they can't see Google and they can't use Stack Exchange. So these things you take for granted, like and in many places they'll have trouble getting on GitHub. Mm. So having mirrors and things like that inside China can be oh. critical to getting on. What's what's a mirror to GitHub? Here, uh, something tense that like NPM. Uh, okay. I'm not oh, sure NPM GitHub. Is, yeah. NPM is is often blocked, and some of it's just the keyword filtering, right? Mm. Uh, just just quickly, the, the 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 firewall system here isn't on the people imagine it's on the beach. Right at the like between the ocean and the land, it's actually often in the building you're in, right? And that's differently implemented. So if some poor guy's working in a second-rate office tower in Wuhan, it might uh -huh. be a genius, but the keyword filter might drop certain yeah. words. Therefore, it might block all of GitHub because it thought a serial number related to a sensitive date, right? Oh, right. So. That things like knowing that, you know, just having instructions, if you're building off us and you need these dependencies, you can use these repositories in China. Almost yeah. everything's mirrored somewhere and it's yeah. lightning fast here. Yeah. But and so what, what, what product are those repositories? Like if, you were to, if we wanted to do a so Chinese mirror, what should we use? Um, you can just, I mean, you could talk to like um, 
the Ali Cloud can can run it for you, or, yeah. or the big Ali Cloud. Ali Cloud. Yeah. So they, they they run very good hosting. It's super fast. It's just um, don't don't rely on Western infrastructure without knowing if there are issues. And again, this is like you get a couple of people on WeChat, and you'd be like, look, can you install it for us and let us know if it doesn't yeah. work? Yeah, I mean, but like even simple things like for DApps and stuff, yeah. uh, like we're we're pretty convinced China's going to be where DApp adoption happens because. We've spoken to a couple of projects, and some of them just have massive volume on things that really aren't aren't very good. Yeah, you you can you can go viral on a flipbook or something simple, right? Like like a simple toy, an online toy might yeah. might get huge popularity. I think I mean, we can talk later about actual execution, but, but like just you know, if if those apps are or whatever your clients for the Android, because it's got to be Android, like the App Store is is limited, but the Google Play Store is also limited. So right. like, unless there's APKs and reliable places to get them, mm. people won't install the dApps or yeah. the client software. Yeah. You know, it's tiny things like this. It's just yeah. don't take the... It's, it's, it's more that like, so for instance, like if people are writing, uh, if you've got install instructions, like if you're uh, pulling specific Linux modules that you've got mirrors listed in your instructions in Chinese that people can necessarily hit, which there's hundreds of. NPM is mirrored by all of the major internet companies here. But you just need to so you just need to set up NPM to use different mirrors. And you need to put that in your install instructions because otherwise people might be might just come up against the thing where it times out pulling something from what looks like a perfectly reasonable Californian. Yeah. What I have a question. What what is in your opinion um, in China would be the type of dev developer that would be uh, that, let's say not in blockchain currently. So it's not not a current blockchain, but let's say you mentioned Linux. So mm. it may be some other open source or other type because you know one of the things that that, that we notice is like there's a very small number of developers in blockchain relative to the, the, the yeah. even the open source developers around the world. It's like less than one percent. Mm. So we want to bring more of those. Where, where would you suggest what types? You know, and and you can answer it any way you want. If, if you want to find out people who are active and thinking freely, university campuses are good. Um, and again, possibly through WeChat and things, but there's still some interesting relics. Like I hired almost exclusively for a while off uh, the high-end universities bulletin boards, which was trouble, trouble to get, like it was difficult to get an angle in because access is restricted to students, but they keep it after they've left. So if you get one employee from Tsinghua or someone to help you out, they can post on those bulletin boards. And the people there really trust those community type resources are mm. very highly trusted here. Like the user reviews yeah. matter much more than anything else to people. It's really weird that BBSs are still a thing in but China. It, but they're they are. literally <laughs> BBSs. It's because it's, it's, that was the first thing that kind of came out, came out and it was protected on the university campus. So. Yeah. I remember those days, yeah. the squeaking modem and the yeah. BBS. Yeah. <laughs> I ran one. Yeah. The, the, the funny thing is these things are now running on like uh, on fiber gigabit around campus in these newly built yeah. Chinese campuses. But, but students still really like those BBS systems and yeah. places like that are good to get. And partially because it's, it's like, in some ways it's funny, it's like LinkedIn is supposed to be, right? It's a place you don't go unless you want that information and it's got it's slightly gated. So you don't get in without a recommendation. So it can be work to get in there, but then people will take you very seriously uh, and take recommendations and information off those platforms very seriously. Awesome. I'd say play to your strengths. You guys are a massive uh, American, you, you know, you're describing yourselves as the vanguard of POS. I think the problem is that a lot of developers who have a couple of years experience 
and who would be great for building this kind of thing are very, very conservative because of cultural reasons mm -hmm. and economic reasons, right? Like you don't leave the big company and do a startup because, well, if you fail, you may not get back into that big company. And that's a massive loss. Like you're never going to be able to afford a house. You might never get married. You know, if people take a non-conservative, if they make a non-conservative decision, right. they're going to get a ton of crap from their family. It sounds a bit extreme, but there, it, it's a massive it's, cultural force. It, it, can, it can seem it can seem caricature when you talk like that, but it, it's it's what it's even if it's not actually true on uh, for any given individual, that same story is playing in people's minds. And I so they, it's informing them. Yeah, I, I was just more thinking that you know what you guys have that Chinese companies don't have is you have a different narrative of what success is, and if you can frame it in a "we'll take care of you." people can spin that to their family and they can spin it to their friends in a way that will mitigate against what's the most conservative force. Because otherwise what you're likely to get is you're likely to get people who are like, well, this is an interesting idea and I'm just gonna wait and sit it out maybe at uh, Bitmain or Tencent mm -hmm. because this is a decently paying job and if things work out, like the entire people don't really take, you know, equity is not uh, really seriously considered here. Um, you know, but you know, you guys have this. You guys have an angle that local companies don't have. I do, maybe you know. Do you have programs that you can make available for Chinese developers for funding for projects? Are there? We we will over time. Yeah. Yep. Certainly. So we'll we'll tell them to get in touch with Melvin and John. Mervin. 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 Yeah. Sorry, Mervin. Yeah. No problem. Um, you have any more questions, Richard? Uh, no, I mean, I just uh, was interested, so you said you're off to Hong Kong next, and then it's back to the US, or...? Yes. Yeah. 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 So just, just Beijing in the mainland, and then Hong Kong on the way out, or...? Uh, we're doing a, uh, some of us are going to Shanghai, some of us are going to Seoul, right. and then we're all coalescing uh, in Hong Kong. Okay. Well, thanks for coming to the studio. It's a real pleasure to chat with you guys, and... Yeah, uh, yeah no, it was, uh, it was really good and broad-ranging, sorry, very good and broad-ranging discussion. Yeah, thank, thanks Perfect. a ton for having us. Um, we learn a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> took, I took a lot of much. notes. It's uh, yeah. it, both both ways. Both ways. It, it is it is ingratiating when uh, mid podcast the guest makes a note. I must say. <laughs> <laughs> and for everyone listening, thanks. If you have any questions, uh, again, it's casperlabs.io. And uh, yeah, if you're interested in proof of stake, uh, yeah, I mean we've we've looked at it. It's good. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, reach out to them. Yeah. And, uh, great. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you.